please pray with me. Lord God, we do come to you with open hearts and open minds, and I pray you would just help us, Lord, to see you afresh, even though we've perhaps have heard this passage 20, 30, 40, 90 years, that you would give us new eyes to see and fully regenerate hearts to embrace that you are God and you love us with an everlasting love. And I pray, Lord, that we would walk away here changed as Peter, James, and John were. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, our, our buddy Sean Templeton at uh, Bob's retirement party said, if you're going to hop in Gene's car, you're going to listen to some country music. And that's true. Uh, you know, sorry, it's my car. It's my music. All right? And I was listening, I was reflecting on this text the other day, and there's a song by a country artist named Chris Young called Voices. And it's a real catchy sing-along tune. And the chorus says, my dad saying, work that job, but don't work your life away. Mama said, drop some cash in the offering plate on Sunday. I like his mom. That's a good, that's a good woman. All right. And grandpa's saying, you can have a few, but don't ever cross that line. Yeah, I hear voices all the time. Like, my dad saying, quit that team. You'll be a quitter for the rest of your life. Mama's saying, you should say your prayers when you lay your head down at night. And Grandma's saying, if you meet the one, you better treat her right. I hear voices all the time. We've had people in our lives whose voices have spoken great truths and great words of wisdom like Chris Young did. That may be true, but today's text has a voice which changed Peter, James, and John for eternity. And if we'll avail ourselves, will change us for eternity. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. And today we jump from where we were in chapter 6 to chapter 9. Why? What happened to 7 and 8, you say? Remember, this is lectionary preaching. It's the season of epiphany, which means what class? Oh! Revealing! To be revealed in every text we've seen... God has revealed himself in Jesus, okay? Christmas, God is with us, Epiphany, he's revealed, all right? And this is the last Sunday of Epiphany, and that's why it jumps to the greatest revealing text of all of Scripture. In the Greek Orthodox Church, this is a feast day, all right? In the Western Church, which we're part of, it's Christmas and Easter are our big feast days, but the, the Orthodox Church treats this. Why? It's huge! And our church fathers, in their wisdom, put this on the last Sunday of Epiphany because how in the world can you go and observe a Holy Lent on Wednesday if you don't really understand he's God? All right? So we're going to look at this together. And so the scene today is absolutely fascinating because verse 20 sets the stage of Luke chapter 9. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter confesses Christ, and he says, you got it, we're good, don't tell anybody, it's not my time yet, in Luke. Matthew, we know, 
it didn't go well. Peter argued with him. All right? So that's why you need to read all of Scripture, friends, because you've got these different perspectives going on. And they get in an argument, basically. And then he says, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, you're going to call yourself one of my followers, you need to deny yourself, meaning deny the way you say you're going to live the Christian life and follow my ways, what I have for you. Take up your cross, which means die to yourself, and possibly physically die because you believe this, especially in that day, and especially in places around our world today, on the other side of the planet, once you profess faith in Christ, you're putting your life in your hands. And follow me, he says. That's not like a recruiting poster for Uncle Sam, is it? Uncle Sam wants you. No, this is, you want to follow me? Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And so, it's fascinating because in verse 28, now about eight days after these sayings, Luke records. Nothing for eight days. All you married couples, remember when you have a fight and you recognize that you're the one in the wrong in this disagreement? Right? Right! Okay? We know what this is about. There's tension in the relationship. And so there's tension between Jesus and the disciples because they're like, how do you argue with this man? He's Messiah. He's going to die? And we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and really? And at every synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this is the pivotal point. From this time forward, in all three of those gospels, which this, this account is mentioned, the tone changes. And if you keep reading in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. Meaning, he has one thing in mind for you, to go to the cross. Because it's all about the cross for our Lord. And he wants to make sure that they understand that. So for eight days, they've lived in this tension with one another. We don't know what was said. We just know for eight days. And Jesus knows these guys are going to change the world with their profession of faith. He's going to give them a mission. So he decides to take his first disciples, right? Remember, PJ&J Fishing Company, right? Right? Okay? He brings his closest friends, Peter, James, and John, on a prayer retreat. Retreats are a good thing. I used to try to do them. Nobody would come. So now we're going to restart that as we keep growing together, okay? Getting away, getting quiet before the Lord, hearing a different voice than mine, Letting the Lord speak to our hearts is a good thing. So he takes them on a prayer retreat. And what we discover here are some great truths because it's the greatest revelation of God outside the re resurrection. Because he needs to take these frightened, uncertain, and discouraged men and give them some encouragement, some equipping, and some assurance that their mission will be accomplished. And what we discover is who God is, who we are in Christ, what his mission is all about, and what our response needs to be. Who God is, who we are in Christ, what, our mission, what his mission is, 
and what our response to all this is. First, let's look at who God is. So they go up on the mountain, and in verse 29, and as Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became a dazzling white. This is not like watching a Transformers movie. He's not changed into something else. He's transfigured, and for a glimpse, for an absolute moment, the veil of his humanity is lifted, and the glory of the Lord shines and emits from him. All right? This is the pre-human second person of the Trinity. And we read this and say, this is the Jesus we're going to see. Okay? It's not the Jesus of our culture with the cool 70s hair driving a BW convertible. All right? This is God revealing himself. And we will behold him like this. And we'll either behold him when we die and leave this planet, or if he comes within our lifetime, he's going to come back like this. When we use that word glory, my friends, you know, that, that's, that's a mysterious word. We use it kind of in a weird way in our culture. You know, we speak of the glory days of the Cleveland Browns. All of you who grew up during the Jim Brown days and Otto Graham, you know of what I speak. That was before I was born. You know? The glory days. We, we use it like that, but it's, it's not exactly that. It's a hint of that. But when we speak of glory, we're talking about praise, honor, distinction, given to someone at, with a common consent of the population. That someone who secures praise, renown, filled with a great beauty, splendor, majesty, and awe just because of who they are. And so scripture speaks of a glory that's from God, all right, which is what we're seeing here when the disciples wake up. They're asleep, by the way. You ever had that happen on your quiet time? You know, welcome to the club. You know, you guys won't admit it. You 11 o'clock people. All right. Yeah, 9.30 admits it and 8 o'clock admit it. Just admit it. We all have had that problem. But the point is they've fallen asleep just like we would. And they wake up and they see this glory. There's also glory to God, which is a verb. When we give God glory for his attributes, his, these rejoice proudly in who God is in Jesus. That's what we come to do when we worship. Anglican worship is, is participatory. We're going to make you work here. All right? And so we do give glory to God, and we say, for example, after the, the, the psalm is read, the Gloria Patria. And what do we typically say? Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Not exactly. But if we're not watching it, we can get there real quick, right? We've got to fight that every time we come. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. Amen. That's our response to the psalm. You guys did that very well, by the way. 11 o'clock, you rocked that. 
This is who God is. And what they're seeing is the God of grace and truth. How do we know that? Well, John is there. He's 18, 19. He wakes up from his prayer nap, and he sees Jesus transfigured. And he says in his gospel in the first chapter, verse 14, and we have seen his glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth embodied in front of me in Jesus. That's who God is. Secondly, we learn that this is a resplendent glory. Moses had a reflected glory. All right? And Elijah here, in a second, we're going to see that. That's a reflected glory. And what we need to see is that this Jesus is God. He's the ultimate way to understand who God is. You need not look any further. We can't go into Lent. We don't want ashes on us unless we understand this. He's the visible expression of the invisible God, Colossians 1.15. So therefore, stop playing Christian. We don't, we're not religious people. We're in a living relationship with the living God. And the church, in its wisdom, wants us to understand that. Don't make up some Plato God. This is the God who is. He's full of grace and truth, so pay attention. So secondly, we see who we are in Christ. So Moses and Elijah are there with their reflected glory. And notice in verse 34, it says, And after saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. This is the glory cloud of God. We see this in the Old Testament. During the Exodus, the Shekinah glory, that's never mentioned in the Bible, but that's what they reference it. It's the glory of God cloud that guided God's people by day and by fire by night. And when the cloud descended upon it, the only person who could ever enter that cloud was Moses. Anybody else who dared to go into the cloud instantly was destroyed. If you brought your cattle toward the cloud, they would get destroyed. And so as the cloud came down upon Mount Sinai and Moses was going up into the cloud, he said, don't go any further. And so here's the cloud. They recognize that this is what it is. And this is who God is. And I have heard some people say things like, you know, when I die, I've got some questions for God. <laughs> Meaning, I've, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. You know, life throws curveballs at all of us, and some of us have had some who've hit us, right? I know. Life's hard. But, you know... May I suggest, and may I be honest with you, when you see God, it's not going to be like that. <laughs> Matthew 17 says, Peter, James, and John fell on the ground. And you and I will do the same. Look at verse 34, the second half. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. So they wake up. Jesus is kind of glowing. You know, it's not like those models you made when you were a little kid, just green, and at nighttime they glowed. I had a hunchback at Notre Dame. It was really cool. His hunchback glowed. This is, this is a neon light that just 
tremendous, and a cloud came. And they had to go into the cloud. And what are they thinking as Jews? We're going to die. You know? But they're going into the cloud, and they're greatly afraid, and they don't die. Why? They're in the presence of Jesus. For they, like anyone who trusts in Jesus alone, when you're in the presence of Jesus, when the glory of God comes upon you, it doesn't destroy you because he's full of grace and truth. He invites you into his holiness with grace to know him, have a relationship with him, to walk with him, to enjoy him for who he is. And it's because of Jesus, each and every one of us can stand in the presence of God as our Savior and Lord so what does he come to do? Well, it's fascinating because Moses and Elijah are there. So we see in verse 30, And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory, okay, there it is again, and spoke of his departure. Both of these men have previously in the scriptures conversed with God face to face. Moses on Mount Sinai, Elijah on Mount Horeb. Uh, both had been shown God's glory and survived. Both of these guys had phenomenal departures from this earth. I mean, Moses died on Mount Nebo, and God buried him himself and didn't tell anybody where he buried him. Elijah, that's awesome, went out with a chariot of fire. I said, oh, Lord, give me a chariot of a Ford Mustang GT. That would be awesome. Wouldn't it? You don't have to have death. Moses didn't taste it. He just was taken up into heaven. Amazing. Moses was the great law giver, and Elijah was the great law restorer for God's people. Moses was the founder of Israel's whole economy and way of living, and Elijah was the restorer of it. Together, they represent the entire Old Testament. So what you have here is the Old and New Testament embodied in front of them. And it was a powerful reminder. And they've come to encourage the Lord and, and remind him and to help him understand about his departure. In the Greek, that is the word exodus. That's interesting. Kind of ironic. What do you mean? His exodus? What exodus? His death and resurrection is the ultimate exodus. You see, Moses only liberated the people from economic and social oppression. But Jesus, through his death and resurrection, is going to liberate us from sin and death himself. He's not just the God way out there. He's the God who crosses the gap so we can relate to him, know him, follow him, and have an abundant life here and forever. His purpose, his mission, and Moses and Elijah are here to speak to him about that. So what's the cross to you? Is it just a piece of jewelry? Is it a nice, you know, artifact in our church that we can look at and we can light on Monday, you know, Thursday? Friends, it's everything. 
because it speaks life and the love of God to each and every one of us in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died so that we can live forever in him in a personal relationship, not a religion. Yeah, people will call you religious, but that's not what it is, right? It's a relationship because we've trusted in that work upon the cross for us, at least I hope. Last, we see the response. Verse 35, and as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Let's go up a little bit. I'm sorry. Verse 33, and as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. In other words, he doesn't know what he's saying here. Peter, being the impulsive one, being the one who takes initiative, did what every good Jew would do. You want to signify this time. This, we want to honor you, Jesus. Let's make a tabernacle, because that's what they would have done. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, O Lord. He's retreating back to religion, because that's what we tend to do, right? We tend to fall back on things that really don't matter. And God comes down into this cloud. They enter the cloud. They're not destroyed. And they hear a voice that's much better than grandpa or grandma or mom or dad. Verse 35. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. See, if you want to connect to the Lord, you must submit to his authority. Listen to him means pay attention. Listen up, explore, study, obey. It's all those things wrapped in one. And, and notice, this is the original small group going on right here. All right? You got Peter, James, John, and Jesus growing and learning together about who God is. And therefore, I encourage you, if you're not in a group, get in a group. You have to be in community to grow. You can't do it in isolation. You need somebody ahead of you, like Peter. God bless the people who followed him, right? All right. Then you have some people behind you, like James and John. And we help these people come along, and we learn from them, and we grow in community together. All right. We've been out of the Episcopal Church for 15 years. Get in a group. Some type of group. If you can't drive at night, come at 8, uh, 10.30 on Wednesdays. You can, you can tell me what my sermon is all about. Because I don't get it, and they tell me what it's all about, and therefore we come back on Sundays and I can get it right. All right? The point is, as we follow him, although the voices of our day may have some good voices in our past, there's one voice above all we listen to. And it's not a religious voice. It's the voice which will usher us into the presence of God in Jesus Christ. And my friends, if Jesus is with you, you will be able to stand before him without fear. Because that's the whole message of the Bible. It's a personal relationship with the living God in Jesus Christ. So this is a glimpse of our future. This is what we have to look forward to. 
And the message of this event that if we want to be in God's presence, not by our definition of who God is, we're going to go by God's definition of who he is. And in so doing, you don't walk away the same person this morning. You can't meet this Jesus and not be changed. If you are, I want to check your pulse. Are you dead? He's real. He loves you. He's revealed himself to you. Now, let's live for him and serve others. Let's pray. Lord, Peter, James, and John walked away from this event changed forever. They didn't even speak about it for years, but yet we know it's true. Because John revealed that you are the God that's full of grace and truth. Truth in that you are holy, righteous, you are our ultimate judge, and yet you welcome us with grace. We thank you for that, Lord. And we pray that we would not morph you into a God of our own making, but serve you for who you are, for it's in living for you, your glory, your grace, your truth. We will see you move in us and through us for years to come, for we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <clears throat>